This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have Dr. Siggy Cohen on the podcast. Some of you may follow her on Instagram. Uh, That's where I learned about her. She has a robust following over there. I stumbled upon her when many of my friends shared posts from her. Dr. Siggy is passionate about helping families connect and thrive, and she's been working with families of all kinds for over three decades, first as a teacher, then as a child development specialist, and she keeps things really simple. You know, there's a lot of information being thrown in our faces every day on the internet, specifically with parenting, and y'all have heard me say on this podcast, I don't just want to be more noise in your life. I want to provide something valuable for you with this podcast. And so my hope is that like with every episode, you don't feel like, oh, I have to do this, 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 and this. I hope that there's a takeaway that can help you make your life a little more simple in the day-to-day actions. I always think back to, um, I think it was Ralphie Jacobs early on in this podcast. And one of the things that she taught me was to just reframe how I ask things. So instead of don't get water everywhere when you're taking a bath, it's keep all the water in the bathtub, you know, reframing how we communicate. And so even if it's something as simple as that, that you take from these conversations, mission accomplished. Uh, I also hope you find support, encouragement, and hey, I'm not alone in this when you hear me spill my chaotic parenting stories that happened in my own life. Um, Dr. Siggy gives us some practical tools here in this conversation. And if you aren't following her on Instagram, I I think that she's a great follow. She has 963,000 followers over there. So she's doing something right. I also like that her kids are all grown. So she has been there, done that, and has a ton of experience from her own life and then through her work as well. If you do find valuable information in this podcast, please consider sharing it on social media. Tag us. Why is everyone yelling is the Instagram handle for for this podcast. And then I'm Lindsay Hine 626 personally. And the other way you can support the show is by leaving us a quick rating and review. That is a huge help in potential new listeners finding us. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Siggy Cohen. All right. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Siggy Cohen to the show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Siggy. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm happy to be here. So happy to talk to you. In in a world of parenting experts everywhere on social media, I have to say you are a very refreshing face to appear on feeds. Wow. Thank you. I so appreciate it. I feel that in this world, there's so many like do this, not that. And oftentimes I feel myself getting a little bit stressed out that I'm doing things wrong. And I love the way that you communicate is not perfection, realistic tools and tips and like to rid ourselves of the guilt if we are feeling like, ah, I didn't do it just right. Yes, absolutely. Because this is the reality. I didn't do it right. 
is a constant feeling. But then also remember and remind yourself, oh, I did do it right. Mm. It's this and that. Always look for some balance, right? Because we tend to swing one way and then maybe stay there and be in the extreme. So yeah, I didn't do it right. Oh my, I can say that about a million things. I think all of us can relate to that. But then I also did right. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know you've raised three sons yourselves. And one of the things I read is that you felt like mothering and parenting was a natural thing for you. And I do think that's the case for some people. And then some of us get thrown into this and we're like, what the heck am I doing? I don't even feel like I'm natural at this at all. I I wonder where that came from, your own experience as a child? I think it truly is just something in me. You know, it's Mm kind of like asking someone, how come you play the piano? I mean, not that I'm comparing myself to that, but it's like, I don't know. I just sing. I just know how to be with kids. I think it was just that somehow being with kids always made me feel comfortable, needed. I think Mm -hmm. that I have that in me and definitely that's part of my growing up, being needed gave me a sense of value, Um, you know, growing up with a mom that needed me a lot. (laughs) Mm. So I learned to place myself in that position where I'm there for others and I'm attuned and I'm present and it gave me some sense of value. So, and joy. I think that somebody once said to me, I was very young, I can tell you I worked at a summer camp And the director, who was only maybe a few years older than me, once said to me, Siggy, every time I look through the window when you're with the kids, you always have a smile on your face. And that reflection that he gave me kind of made me self-reflect and realize I just enjoy it. Yeah. When your boys were really young, you raised three boys. Were you a stay-at-home mom? Did you work full-time? Did you work part-time? Um, on and off, stay home plus work. So, um, I worked a lot from home even back then. Um, (laughs) what were you doing then? Right. Yeah. So I, I actually, in another career, I was a photojournalist. I wrote and took pictures for some local newspaper. (laughs) So I was able to do a lot of it just, you know, in the evening, maybe a couple of hours on a weekend, um, you know, things like that during the day when they're at school. So it wasn't that I didn't work, but it's certainly not kind of like going to work every day, nine to five and staying away from home. And then when my youngest one turned three, I actually switched careers or went back to my older career to work with kids and and that's what I've been doing ever since. So I kind of, I went back to work at a preschool and then I went back to school and so on and so forth. So it wasn't like one path. I'm really curious about this because I think one of the things I personally struggle with is I'm I'm kind of in that situation that you were in when your kids were young where I, I work from home, but I'm available a lot. I'm here a lot. And I think one of my biggest frustrations is that divided attention. Whereas if I were out of the house all day, when I come home, maybe I wouldn't be distracted by work because I I did that at at work. And then when I'm home a lot, I want to be focused on work sometimes and the kids need me and then I'm just like not fully present. And 
And I know that. So sometimes I will avoid work just because I don't want the frustration of those like, you know, that friction because the kids see it. And the second they see me on my computer, they suddenly want my attention. And then I feel like it's this like vicious cycle of not getting anything done. It's true where a lot of working parents, working moms, maybe more feel that, that no matter where you are, you're always not fully there or feeling torn because you're not where you should be, right? If you are at home, you should be at work. If you're at work, you should be home. Somehow there's always a missing piece. Mm. And, uh, and I think that's another reality check. Yeah, you can't do it all. You can't do it all all the time. Give yourself some breaks because nobody does it all. There's no such thing. It's a facade. Yeah, we we look at some people and think that, but the likeliness that they might have a lot of help or they might choose to not be working as much or whatever it is, is probably there. We just might not see it. Right. And there's also a lot of other things we don't necessarily see, right? Mm -hmm. When they are frustrated, when they feel down or guilty, um, it's there because we're all human. I don't think that everyone is constantly dancing around home and work and thinking, yeah, I got this. This is working perfectly. It's a juggling act, no doubt. Well, we're going to dive into some of the things that you, you talk about a lot, which I'm really excited about. I do have one more question about your career, though, before we dive into some of these topics that I know that people are hopefully get your notebooks out and take some notes because we've got some really good takeaways here. Um, I love that you're sort of in this, I guess it would be a third phase of your career. If you, you did the children, the photojournalism, back to children, and then not, now you've been doing this, like online social media courses. And I also love that you are not a super young woman on social media. Like it is, there's a couple things with that, right? With age comes wisdom. And a lot of these parenting experts are like, my age or even younger sometimes. And I'm like, wow, you haven't like seen this all the way through yet. So it's like very, very helpful to hear information from someone who is like so far removed from like actually being in it and has lived it. Um, and I wonder, I talked to Julie Bogart about this on the podcast. Um, she's in her sixties and I said, what is that like? Like being a social media presence in your sixties, And a very large presence. I mean, you almost have a million followers on Instagram. What is that like for you? Um, Wow, that's such a great question. And also an affirmation because I can say I often wonder about that myself, right? Yeah. And I sometimes think, wow, I am too old. Like, why would they even listen to me? Um, And another, like a parent once asked me, how do you stay so current? And so I think that's kind of what happens is that I'm still working. I'm still constantly involved with families here and now. And I'm naturally, I think, a curious person. So whenever anyone says anything, I learn about it even more. I ask more questions. I read about it. And so it it can be even, you know, the children, the shows that they're watching or the the toys that they're playing with. I'm like, oh, yeah, in my days, we didn't have this or that. No, I'm like, okay, what is here? What is now? So I keep myself, I think, relevant. But um, it is... It is an amazing thing, I think. And I'm actually very grateful for all the people that trust me. Mm. And I don't take that for granted at all. Well, let's get into some topics here um, on the podcast. And 
I think that one of the things we should talk about is triggers and understanding our triggers as parents. And and I've heard this talked about a little bit. And now I think about it as I'm starting to feel really frustrated with my kids. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, what's going on with me? Because they're not necessarily doing anything more out of the ordinary than <laughs> the normal chaos in my house. So can you talk about surface and underlying triggers? Sure. Um, most of the time we pay so much attention to what is going on out here and getting in touch with ourselves in that moment is very difficult, but that's something we need to do because our perception is so driven by what we're feeling in the moment. And if we're not connecting that, then we are misunderstanding what is actually happening, misjudging it, and therefore even um, not responding correctly or the right way. So getting in touch with yourself, asking yourself, wait, how is this making me feel? I'm upset, angry, frustrated. If I don't say that to myself, I actually act that. And then I think, what's wrong? What is going on? Why aren't they paying attention or listening to me? And I'm not fully connected to the fact that I Maybe saying the right thing, but I am sounding frustrated, impatient. I think I'm calm, but I am actually um, triggered, charged, impatient. So noticing how we feel, impossible all the time. But that's really the work of our own personal growth. And I think that really what helps us um, be much more present and attuned to what is going on you know yesterday I was like talking to one of my kids about oh he didn't want to buckle his seatbelt and it was this big thing and I pulled over and I you know got got out buckled his seatbelt and um because he could he could do it himself he just wasn't (laughs) um so like I had to pull over and um I was closing my eyes when I was talking to him and I this is the second time my oldest son has called me out for this I didn't even realize I did this and I did it the other day too. And he's like, mom, why are you closing your eyes when you're talking to him? And I, I don't even know if this is the right thing to say, but I just, I said, I don't know. I think it's because I'm really frustrated and I just want to like escape for a minute. And so like closing my eyes while I'm talking, like, I feel like it's taking me away. Um, but yeah, I don't, is that like a, is that a thing? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just a me thing. What does that say about me? <laughs> I think it's great. I think you were authentic. You were honest, right? Um, you took a moment to actually explain yourself. Um, I think that was beautiful because you are a real person. And mm. of course, for kids, it is very difficult to see that, to understand that, right? That their parents are real people. But this is a moment where your son maybe will remember later on in life, like, oh, yeah, I remember that she said that. She was talking about herself not in I can't take it anymore and why (laughs) not like that but really in that self-reflective kind of way what do you think about that though um like our generations are doing things so differently and it sounds like you maybe didn't when you were raising your kids do things the more what you would call traditional parenting that most of our parents did um but Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't really see my parents as people outside of my parents, you know, like I didn't really think about like my mom being emotional or crying. And granted, I don't have a very emotional mom. So that's a piece of that. 
Um, my kids see me cry all the time. <laughs> um, but like, when is the communicating about our own emotions and feelings like overdoing it? And how much do we keep it closer to the vest so that it's not like affecting our kids? And how much do we share? Yeah, there's a difference between dumping yourself right onto someone else and expecting them to really carry that weight for you or sharing how it is that you're feeling. So when we share how we feel, we tend to be more composed. We can be emotional, we can be um, triggered, but we're not just expecting someone else to fix it for us. So we are a little bit more conscious of it. Um, So sharing how you feel with, you know, the people around you, I'm having a very hard time right now. Mm -hmm. See, that's self-reflecting. That's authentic. That's not like, I can't take it. You guys are driving me crazy. (laughs) See, that's dumping. (laughs) So hard. It's so hard to separate yourself, who you are from your kids and your role as their mom. And so maybe the thought to ask yourself on a regular basis, what's my intention when I share my emotions? What is my intention? Am I being needy? Do I have needs? You see, that's not the same thing, right? Am I being needy? I lean onto someone, in this case, these little kids, to take care of me. Well, I don't know. But do I have needs? Absolutely. Can I actually be transparent about them? Yes, of course, without melodrama, which is what kids are, and hysteria, which is what we really want to stay away from. Okay, I love that I feel comfortable admitting to you that I do both. Um, (laughs) And also want to say to the listener, if you were thinking that as well, I think that gives us an opportunity to like pat ourselves on the back when we do what feels right and better and more calm and acknowledge when we do that, like, okay, I went about that in the way that feels right right now. And so um, when we do have the freakouts, that doesn't like take away from the work we've done in the other way. Right. Also, you know, think of how relationships are complex. Mm. All relationships are complex and they're also ongoing and they're based on so much trial and error and learning and changing and growing. So when you think, oh no, I just traumatized my child. I don't know. This is, it's life. You're not traumatizing your children all the time. They do see a real person. They see real challenges. Are you able to do some repairing? Are you able to be transparent and discuss that? Not always apologetic. I'm sorry I yelled. Mm. That's, you know, I'm sorry I yelled gets very tired very quickly because your kids also, okay, mommy, I'm sorry. And then they do the same thing all over again. (laughs) So I'm sorry I yelled is, yeah, I am actually sorry. See, I want to self-reflect, not just say the words that seem to fit the moment. And I can share that with the people around me, including small children or children, because they're learning from that. Oh, my parent thinks about these kind of things that include her flaws or her shortcomings or her mistake making. So yeah, I yelled. 
I'm not just sorry about it. Of course I am, but I'm also thinking, yeah, some days get away from me. Some moments are more challenging. Maybe there's even a further explanation that I can share with my kids today. And again, not to make an excuse. Well, you know, it's hard for me, (laughs) right? And traffic and my bus and this, that's again dumping. It's more like looking internally and then just verbalizing it. Mm. I love that so much. I, yeah, I love the thought of being just totally open and honest without dumping Um, One of the things I wanted to touch on is, well, we were talking about those triggers and like, what's the why? And I think one of my biggest struggles is always like when kids act out in public and like you're embarrassed because you're afraid people think you don't have control over your kids or, oh my gosh, my kid acted like that. I would never let them do that, blah, blah, blah. And then also we were raised to think it was a sign of disrespect, like when our kids don't listen to us. What is the balance there, though? Because at some point, I think a kid should listen to their parents um, when we say do this or whatever, don't do that. And and there's this like this view from when we were growing up of like, I'm the disciplinarian. You listen to everything I say. You do what you're told. And now there's this like far extreme of gentle parenting where you're taking every single feeling and thing into account. And I'm like, there's got to be some sort of middle ground here because at some point you are the parent and you do set the boundaries. Yes, absolutely. Remember when we switched from human doing to human being? Remember like when there was this time that suddenly that became, yeah, we, we're not just doers. We are, right? we have a being, we have emotions and so on. I think what happened is we took that too far. And once again, we got to blend that. So you know how you have four boys. I remember those moments where we're standing in line, whatever. And (laughs) it's like the most typical thing. Boys love to be physical. They're standing in line. They're getting impatient. What do they do? They bump into each other. And now, right, one bumps as if by mistake and the other one whines. He bumped into me. And now you're like, stop that. Stop that one. (laughs) And then it escalates, right? What I'm saying is, you know, and absolutely you want them to just stand in line and wait. And now you say, man, we got, we have a few more minutes. We have to wait. You see, whatever it is. They have to be the human doing. They have to stand in line. They have to comply. They have to do what is right, right then. But they're also human beings. So they have that undercurrent emotional um, state that is going on. Say something about both. Hey, Mm. guys, I can see you having a hard time standing in line. Yeah, this, I can see that. Hey, you need to still stand there. Uh Uh-uh. No bumping into each other. Or work it out but right now we're standing here and again I know it's taking a long time and now see when I when I went to just give them the facts the structure of what is actually happening I said that very simply firmly but then I go back more to the emotional conversation and now I can say yeah it's taking so long what's going on why do you think And maybe I can even go into, what is so hard about waiting? What do you think is hard about waiting? You see, I'm engaging with them now. Mm -hmm. Now we're having a conversation. We're making it a little more interesting. And not because I 
gave them a task. Okay, guys, hey, start counting or look at this or I engaged with them. So now they are actually looking up to me, um, cooperating, collaborating, not just listening to my command or demand. I like that, that engagement. Yeah. Yeah. I- so think doing, being. It's not one or the other. Hey, sit straight or stop that. Everybody's looking or whatever it is. Like you can't do that. I can say, hey, uh-uh, not okay to do this right now. I can see you're having a hard time. Think of something else you can do. No, yeah, think of something else. Whatever it is, come up. Because you see, what is the human being? The human being is the person that can actually be anything, anywhere, anytime, which is what kids are amazing about. They have this imagination. They can transport themselves into wherever and whatever. So he doesn't actually have to has to climb on the chair to pretend he's Superman. He can still sit there, act outwardly the way he's supposed to, and internally, hey, you want to be Superman right now? Go for it. That's what your imagination jump, not just on the chair, the tables, the roof, anything. That's the human being. And then there's the human doing. Hey friends, I want to tell you about Iron Lift by Smart Eats. This is the first powder drink for boosting iron levels. It tastes great, cookies and cream flavor, and it is easily digested. Here's the thing, when you have low iron, it can result in always feeling tired, weak, dizzy, feeling cold. It can even cause depression and thinning hair. There's lots of causes for low iron, and women runners specifically are susceptible to it. And here's the thing, Iron Lift is a safe, easily digestible product, okay? Now, Iron Lift is also made for children with low iron or elders, particularly those who may struggle to maintain weight and are most sensitive to taste and GI effects of other iron. So a lot of people might be prescribed to take iron by their doctor when they find their levels are low, but the iron pills and supplements actually bother their stomach. And so this is a way to get that iron in and not have those issues. If you wanna just try it out, you can go to Instagram and if you follow them and send them a DM, they will mail you free samples to try it out before you make your purchase. If you're ready to make the purchase and check out the iron supplement, listen, this is the best deal you're gonna get from any sponsors ever. Go to smarteatspantry.com, use the code RUNNER and that'll get you 25% off your order. Get more oxygen to your brain, muscles, and organs with Iron Lift. Improve your energy, alertness, strength, mood, and appetite. SmartEatsPantry.com. Use the code RUNNER for 25% off your order. And give them a follow on Instagram. Send them a DM. They will send you free samples. Smart Eats Pantry. All right, friends. Back to the show. I'm just being totally honest. Like Sometimes all the instruction is like exhausting and then at the end of the day when like thing you think you've done it all right and so you're like okay I went about this I prepped everybody did all you know and then like crap still hits the fan it's like oh was it all for naught you know what I mean um and I I know that's not true but it sometimes feels like that sure absolutely because there's still they're still their own, you know, they got their own mind. They have their own moods. Um, they're triggered as well or stimulated, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, by different things. And I think part of the script is the practice of it 
the intention, knowing that I am still doing it. And again, this is real life. I mean, we plan so many other things regardless of our children, and they still don't work out exactly as we planned them. We got to kind of roll with it and navigate and, you know, somewhat be flexible within the complexity of everything. So being a parent is kind of like that. Give yourself some room to know that obviously it's not perfect. I mean, I was a preschool teacher for years. It's not perfect. It's it's messy and it's noisy. And, you know, if I have an, a certain expectation, I can tell you even I taught college for 21 years. I taught a community college. Oh, wow. Every se- Yeah. Every semester, the class was different. So I walk in with my lesson plan, but somehow the dynamic of the class is completely different. Now, I can be there standing and just having my expectation or my need met. Okay, this is what I need to teach. And they can just be bodies there in the room. No, it's it's an engagement. It's a dynamic. So I'm looking at these people and go, okay, yeah, this is not working here. Can I switch a little bit? Sure. What's wrong with it? So relationships any relationships always a dynamic can you look at your kids and go whoa today home depot yeah not working oh boy <laughs> we did and tried and this it just didn't work all right we're done here <laughs> let's go somewhere else yeah you gotta know how to do even that sometimes again even that doesn't always work out well the community college example is so great for people with multiple kids because our kids are all so different. And so we do kind of have to like try different ways to to get through to different kids. And what works for one kid doesn't necessarily work for another, which can feel very frustrating. Like sometimes I say, oh, if it was just my second and my fourth kid that I had, I think I maybe would have gone out thinking, oh, parenting's not that hard, <laughs> you know? And people would laugh at me because they're like, you have no idea. Um, just because there are certain kids that feel a little bit more challenging in certain situations. So, yeah, I don't know. that. I just, I appreciated that example. Yeah, 100%. I think we all get at least one more challenging child. It's easy to raise the easy kid. Mm. <laughs> and it is challenging to change ourselves and fit who we are to the child that has different needs that is wired not according to our expectation. Mm. And that is, I think, our biggest growth, actually. You know, I mean, teachers will say that to you. It's so easy with the kids that are just, you know, mm-hmm. good. The good kids. Yeah. But what about the challenging kids? You can't, no child left behind. You got to focus on if you, you know, you have that intention of getting to every child. You have to switch your mode to fit. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> I, I, my oldest son, man, he, the teachers love him. People pleaser through and through, hard worker, gets home, <laughs> does the, it does the thing that you talk about, just totally lets loose because he's safe here and he's been buttoned up all day. And then I have other kids that their teachers are like, I'm getting text messages once a week. You yeah. know, they did this, they did that. And it's like, there's there's no filter from what happens at home and what happens at school. And I mean, my, my kindergarten boy, his teacher, she's amazing. She does such an amazing job with him. And I know it's hard. 
Um, so yeah, it's interesting how different kids like don't filter things at school and some do. Right. But also how we have to set our expectations Mm. according to the child, not just according to ourselves. This is what I expect. So I have that really easygoing kid and now it's just going to all work out always. Oh no, Mm. I have this easygoing kid and they actually bring that easygoing (laughs) dynamic. Um, It's not everything that I do that makes it work. And then I have this challenging kid and like, oh, yeah, okay, the same does not work. I have to switch my mindset, reframe, work differently, understand who they are and what works for them. It's not that I let them loose. Okay, because you're challenging, fine, you can jump up and down on the tables in the middle of a restaurant. No, (laughs) but I have to get to you differently. That Mm. I do understand. What about this concept of like, and I think this really speaks to your, what you say about like not having the guilt of that, like our kids' behavior doesn't reflect who we are as people and parents. Does that, is, does that ring true? Yes, absolutely. Certainly not all of it. They are still their own people. And you know that, I mean, look at yourself as a grown up. Everything your parents did is you? No. Mm. Yes, some of it. So you want to look ahead. What we're doing right now, I think mostly is building strong relationships with our kids. What they will do in their life, how they will be, how they'll form or mold that to who they are, is not all up to us. Which is good, but also feels scary. Scary, very scary. Totally. And I know that. And and yeah, so it's good because on one hand, you're right. We want, we raise them to be independent, right? Um, Free thinkers, um, follow their heart, right? I mean, we, we say that we want that, but wait, no, 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 no. We want them to be exactly what we want them to be. (laughs) It's like... It's tough. (laughs) Can you walk us through a little bit what that's like as a parent of older kids who get to the point where like they really are making some decisions that can be heartbreaking and scary and dangerous, you know, in a way that dangerous things that like a six-year-old, you know, is a different kind of dangerous. Like, because once they get to a certain age, you really only have so much say on their safety. They're out living their lives doing doing their own thing. So what, like, how do we even enter those kinds of conversations? Yeah. Um, If we have and have had this um, built up system, right, of knowing how to communicate with them, knowing how to be open, um, them trusting us, coming to us because um, they know we're not just going to judge and question and doubt and go, wait, what? What are you doing? Like, Right, that turns anybody off. I mean, nobody wants to be questioned and doubted like that because then we begin to just justify, well, this and that. So it's like, oh, wow, okay, this is interesting. I don't know that. Can you tell me more about it? Mm. Yeah, um, keeping it open again. I'm not saying it's simple and easy. We have our own fears and anxieties and judgment, we are still people even when we are parents. But if, again, you know, we start young and with them, 
we built this system up that we can be more self-reflective, um, pause before we react and respond, think about what it is that we want to say, not because we're measuring our words, but because we really want to communicate well. And that fits when they're older as well. So I'm hearing like leading with questions and curiosity before jumping to conclusions and discipline. Yes. Listen to your intonation when you ask a question and ask yourself, is this inquisitive or accusative? Mm. Why are you doing that? Right? What's going What? Right? I'm accusing. I'm sort of like, yeah, doubting, judging, but oh, wow. Um, Tell me again, why are you doing that? Like, you see, it's almost like I'm in your face, accusative. I'm sort of like taking a step back, inquisitive. Uh That space is crucial for somebody to want to share and talk to us. There's like this, and I don't even know where you stand on this, so I'm super curious. (laughs) There's a... uh, there's a thing in the world today where it's like no timeouts, no grounding, none of that. And I'm curious where you stand on that kind of thing. And and I, I'm thinking back to like my own teen years, if I did something I shouldn't have done and my parents were like, you're grounded for the weekend or whatever. Like, where do you stand on those kinds of disciplines? Honestly, I don't think these work. So timeouts and grounding, they just don't work. Um, you know, first of all, kids spend so much time at home already. It's very different than they wanted to go out, right? Mm. Um, even teenagers, we sometimes have to do the opposite. Come on, go out, find friends. Yeah. Go. So why would I ground you? That's the worst thing <laughs> I can do to my teen is keep them even more secluded, isolated, and home with all their gadgets. So I don't want to use that. Timeouts, even with little ones. You know, it's so many of them learn that trick so quickly. Okay, I'm going to go on a timeout, right? They send themselves or they are literally thinking, you know, go think what it is that you did and, you know, what's <laughs> what are you supposed to do? And they're not thinking about what we tell them to think about because the mind thinks about whatever it wants. So they're thinking about ways of doing what they did better. You know, mm. <laughs> I'm trying to get away from, hmm. And they're also sitting there maybe angry and revengeful. So that actually is not good for the connection. So um, I do definitely believe in time away, time mm. apart, mm-hmm. pause, use skills and tools, not necessarily punishment, scolding, shaming, um, you know, um, reprimanding. Just, you know, you've been bad and I'm telling you that because I know right from wrong. I want us both to look at this. Yeah, that was not okay, right? Can you tell me what you think about it? Um, So you see, I'm side by side with the child. I'm not, you know, Mm. like that. Um, So time, time away is let's just find a moment where, you know, we can be apart. I need to regroup. You also need that. Of course, they're young and they're like, no. And you're like, yeah, you need to. And again, if you can send them to a place where they feel actually good, it's it's kind of like if I send you to your room, it's not a punishment. It's a skill and a tool. Mm. Like the song says, we all need to know when to walk away. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm teaching you to know when to walk away, to regroup, 
to find your own center. So go to your room. Do whatever you want there, sweetie. You know, you can cry. You can read a book. You can lay on your bed. You can play. It's perfectly fine. Take a moment. Then come back when you're ready. We can talk about what just happened. It's good to know when to walk away. So I'm teaching a skill. I'm not punishing. Yeah. So it's like you're still, it's still essentially, it's not a timeout, but it's still the same physical situation. If you Could be. Because that's the thing here. It's like with so many kids, it's like you got to just like get them out of the room, right? Because like if your kids are really little, you're trying to keep the other ones alive, trying to feed them or whatever. And it's just not fair for the rest of the family to be like totally disrupted with a massive, crazy situation that could be going on. What about um, for the teen though? Because because I guess my thing is, is what then becomes the consequence of the bad decision or the dangerous decision? I don't know if consequence is the right word. You tell me. Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult. So taking your teen's phone away, mm. the computer, grounding them and all that, I can tell you this, they all find a way to do what they want to do, mm. no matter what it is that you think you're doing to them. <laughs> they do. They're really good at it. And if you look at yourself, oh boy, you found ways, right? Right. Yes. And you also, the more you got caught, the better you got at getting away. <laughs> that's kind of like that so don't fool yourself that these are the things that your teen um you know becomes better for you because that's what you can do to them because even they you know here take my phone whatever right it's kind of like yeah sure take it all away i don't need it i mean it's very easy for them to disengage just to prove you wrong Mm. Not necessarily to connect um, and certainly not to comply. So what do you want to do with your teens is actually conversations with them have to be about safety. Mm. Number one, literally, when you start talking about don't do this and don't do that and don't, you know, let's talk about what do you do in certain situations what do you think is going to happen? And here is what teens are so good at. Keeping sort of like or trying to stay away from the adults. They have this way of, you know, the <laughs> teen society kind of like their own underground. You know, oh, so my parents doesn't know. So I just don't want to, you know, it's kind of like that from teachers and parents and anybody from the adult world. You want to do the exact opposite. Guys. There are many things you can do on your own. And this is actually a good thing. Safety, often, not, not really your thing at this point. Because your mind just doesn't think that way. Mm. So let's run through some scenarios. Because I know that in many cases, you're going to think, am I going to get in trouble? Or am I actually risking myself? Mm. And getting in trouble will be the number one thing I want to avoid. And I'm like, no, 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 reverse that. Get in trouble. What's getting in trouble with me? What does it even mean? That we talk? That I got mad? It's not a big deal. But think, taking a risk, that could be lifelong. So I got mad. One day you look ahead. I mean, you are, you know, you look back and you're, yeah, I did this and my parent got mad. Okay, so what? That's not the end of the world. Getting in trouble, getting caught. Risk, safety. That's the number one thing on your mind. Mm. So if you think a friend is risking themselves, 
be smart about it, not avoid getting in trouble. If you think you are risking yourself, also be smart about it. It's not about getting in trouble. That's minimal in life. And you know what? Teens actually appreciate that. All right, friends, I want to let you know if you are training for a half marathon or a marathon, I have training plans on my website at lindsayhine.com. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks. There's a beginner beginner. So it's a beginner as you can get. There's a beginner intermediate. There's an intermediate and there's advanced. So there's four options. And then we have marathon training plans that are 18 weeks that give you a nice base build. And I have three options there, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to the website and click on each training plan, it'll tell you what the mileage starts at, what the long run starts starts at, what the entirety of the week total mileage is at and how it builds you. I'm super conservative with how I build miles. And I've had a lot of people who have had tons of success with this plan. Actually, my friend Bridget here on Instagram just messaged me yesterday and says, oh my gosh, I purchased the half marathon advanced training plan for my June half marathon, but ran another one yesterday and snagged a massive PR. I'm a big believer down from 146 to 139 half marathon. All right. You heard it from Bridget. Go to lindsayhine.com to learn more and grab yourself an awesome training plan. All right. Back to the show. theme of the conversation is to me standing out is like approach conversations with curiosity. And I think that's such a good thing to teach like that our kids will learn just from seeing us do it yes. over and over again. Yeah. And hopefully they take that into their workplaces and their own schools and their own conversations with their friends. I mean, think about it. If somebody's curious about us, isn't that a great feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we, we actually want to stay there and talk to them. Uh-huh. That's kind of how we are do. You know, our kids are constantly trying to get away from us because we're like, do this, do that. <laughs> <laughs> Later, in a minute, and this and that. I'm like, I'm curious. Oh, wow, look at you. This is interesting. You really do need to get ready for school, but this <laughs> is what you're doing right now. Yeah, okay. I mean, you see how that builds a uh-huh. connection right away. Yeah, so. that's so good. You know, I had a dream last night about my child. We were on an airplane together and I was yelling at him for not picking up his towels and his dirty clothes. And I was like, wow, this is really sticking with me hard if it's showing up in my dreams. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to start approaching those laundry conversations with curiosity. Yeah. Like, wow. It's, oh, look at that. The towels on the floor. I'm not saying you can do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you can do a lot with curiosity. You build connection. You build a relationship. There's interest going on, right? Mm. It's like, it's interesting. It's even more fun and light. Yeah. This has been wonderful. We always wrap up with end of podcast questions here. And I'm excited about your answer to this, given that we've talked about all sorts of paths in your professional life and uh, what you're doing today in your professional life. But what is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, wow. That I haven't done yet. Yeah. Um. I probably would love to get to writing a book. <laughs> I would love to to be there uh, where I'm actually doing it or there's a book in the making. Um, I would love to be a grandma. Um, 
So definitely looking forward to that. That's on a personal level. Um, yeah, I love to spend time with my kids and, you know, maybe we can travel more. Um, so do they live close? Uh, two of them live close by. Yes. And uh, with their spouses and one lives in New York. So that's far away from me. Yeah. His spouse. Yeah. And, uh, and I just want to say, I do have a bonus daughter. I think people are noticing that, right? So this is a girl that I took in when she was 16. Okay. I've known her and her family um, her entire life, but she came to live with me when she was 16 or us. And uh, she's about to give birth to oh, her my first goodness. child. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> I didn't know that part of your story. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So there was a girl kind of, you know, in, in the, the mix, mix there yeah. <laughs> at some point. Yeah. When did, at, at what age were your kids when you started being like, I'm ready to be a grandma? <laughs> um, that's a good <laughs> question. I think whenever they got married, you know, as soon as they got married, like, <laughs> it was like, okay, now what? Yeah. But I... I do respect their life choices. I do respect that they have their own ideas and yeah. path, that this they're not living to fulfill me or some idea of culture and society. And they have, you know, they have their own thoughts and um, ideals even about the way they want to conduct their life. So I'm very respectful of that. And in my old age, I also know that... Um, it's really okay to choose your path and it's, you know, it's not that everybody has to be the same and do the same, obviously. So mm. even that's a challenge as a parent, right? You were asking about that before, 100%. And I am curious about them still. I love who they are, what they do. And it's not always exactly the way I want it to be. And I accept that truly. Mm. How's your oldest? 38. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They all, they're all married. They all have professions. They all are doing things that they love to do. They're mm. all really good human beings, functional, their friends, their family, you know, family orientation and so on. Um, but yeah, it's, um, they're out there doing the wrong thing. I respect and appreciate that. What is the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, I'm actually reading right this right now, which is Norwegian Wood. Um, and for some reason, I read other, you know, Murakami's books. I've read and um, two other ones. And I know this is one of his most famous one, and I haven't read that yet. So, um, yeah, I also really liked, I know it's very light, um, but it's a great read. Lessons in Chemistry. Was, oh, I've heard that's good. It's so good. It's very, really? yeah, it's like a quick read, but fun. And uh, Okay. Yeah. I keep waiting to pick it up. I almost got picked it up at the airport the other day, but it was so thick. My bag was so full already, and I already had like three books in it. I was like, you cannot add this book to the stack. Yeah. So I loved it. I have a daughter-in-law who's a scientist, mm. and I thought she was going to love it too. She's a reader, We, you know, and she was like, no, no, no. It's very surface, but... It's like, so. yeah, it's like the nurses and doctors watching ER probably. Like, this isn't real. This isn't real. Exactly. <laughs> but um, but I enjoyed it. So I recommend it. It's a fun read, definitely. 
Um, do you have a kid's book you recommend or either a kid's book for our kids or a parenting book, one or the other or both? Parenting book right now, you know, I know the whole brainchild and so mm. on. These are really, um, you know, these are still, um, that is still the, a good book. Um, I also, I think that um, another one that I really like and recommend often is The Blessing, The Blessing of the Skinned Knee. Okay. Um, yeah, it's by a therapist who's actually Los Angeles based and I've listened to her many times. Um, she's older than me even, but, um, it's a great book. It's kind of like about this balance, you know, not, not everything that happens to them is a trauma. Not everything we have to like rush and fix. And some of it, you got to let go and expect that it's part of life. Um, so that's one. And, uh, children's books. Wow. There's so many out there. I still love the classics. Um, I love, love, love Winnie the Pooh. Mm. Um, you know, that's still one of my favorite books of all times. Um, even with little ones, I know it's not very current right now, but <laughs> if you can, yeah, introduce your kids to Winnie the Pooh. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's so wise. It's so fun. Do you have a trip or a place you enjoyed exploring with your family? Um, yes, definitely. Um, a few of them, a few years ago, me and my boys, just the four of us, went to Germany and explored um, my family's roots in Germany. So my father's side of the family is all from Germany, and we did that. It was very emotional mm. and very... Um, it was also fun. It was beautiful. It was meaningful. Um, my my son and his wife and his mother-in-law and I went to Greece a few years ago Ooh, because fun. her part of her family's origin is from there. And we also had a beautiful trip and a fun one, but also meaningful. We traced their sort of like uh, roots. So I love those kind of trips. Uh, we went to Thailand together. Um, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. And what's your last message to leave with our audience today? Keep learning. Keep your mind open. You know how we talk about curiosity? That's how we grow, because we're curious. If we are judgmental, if we're fixated on our ideas, we shut down. We don't learn. I'm not saying constantly change your mind and everything out there, you know, it can be overwhelming, <laughs> but keep yourself growing and learning. I think that's, you know, that's the best modeling we can do for our kids because this is what they do naturally. They grow, they learn constantly. Thank you so much, Dr. Siggy Cohen. You're very, very welcome. Thank you, Lindsay. This was, uh, this was fun. <laughs> All right, friends, thanks so much for being here today. If you want to learn more about what Dr. Siggy does and all of her courses, she has a ton of awesome parenting courses, you can go to drsiggy.com. To learn more about this show and all the shows in our network, just go to sandyboyproductions.com. You can find me. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram. I would love to connect with you there. Uh, I made a little Mother's Day post on our Why Is Everyone Yelling page. It's just Why Is Everyone Yelling? We would love to connect with you there on Instagram as well. Thanks for being here. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you had a great Mother's Day. And um, we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling? <laughs>